Sound of Hockey episode 264. We're calling this one, oh, the Anton Forsberg episode. Why are we calling it that, John? Yeah, why not? He uh, had 264 shots against during his 2020-2021 NHL campaign. What? What? You didn't know that, Darren? Uh, I might have already known that because we may have discussed this one in advance a little bit. So I did know that. Um, it's also just a little too on the nose with what's been happening with the Seattle Kraken mm. in the last week. So is there a pro- I thought it was topical. It's Is it topical or is it on the nose? Can it be both? It could both be. Both can be true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Sound of Hockey. I am Darren Brown at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter, joined as always by John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. I'm NHL to Seattle. On the X. And also Curtis Izaki. Hello, Curtis. Hello, everyone. Deep Sea Hockey on the X. And uh, don't forget to follow us at sound underscore hockey on the X if you aren't already, because that's where you get all of your latest Seattle Kraken news. Um, Everything sucks right now. It's not good. Things are not good. No. And I'm not just talking about the Kraken. The weather is horrendous. We have an atmospheric river here in Seattle, if you're not one of our local listeners. It's been really rainy. We've got, what, three inches of rain or something like that is the prediction. Um, Setting records. It's but It sucks pretty bad. But Bar Down Studios is nice and dry. It is. You know what, though? Uh, here's, here's a little uh, pick-me-up. So um, I replaced the wiper blades on my car for the first time in like three years. And apparently you're supposed to do that every six months or six months to a year. Six months? According to the- yeah, come on. According to Google. According okay. to All the right. consortium of wiper, the, the big, wiper, the big wiper, wiper blade, blade. <laughs> big wiper blade. Um, but man, what a life changer that is! Just a small little little fix, little upgrade, little twenty five dollar purchase, and I'm like, oh my god, driving in the rain is so much easier now. So I actually need to do that myself. It's a it, yeah. do it. It's a big. I will. It's a game changer. It really is. Um, it just makes changer. your life much easier. Will it now, change the outcome of games? Is um, that what you're saying? No, it'll change the game of life in a way. <laughs> uh, also, um, as long as we're talking about the heavy rain. Can we also discuss how difficult it is to see at night when it's raining heavily in Seattle? Why yeah. are the lines impossible to see on the street? Probably because so, it, it rains so much. Right. Well, yeah. But I'm I'm like, I don't think they've done any kind of maintenance on the streets. This is get off my lawn. I don't think there's any <laughs> any maintenance on the streets that's been done in this city in like two decades. And so the the lines are so hard to see all the street lights on 99 heading towards the west seattle bridge are just out they've just been out forever so it's just you're driving through complete darkness and you're like trying so hard to like figure out what lane you're in and if you're in the right lane and it's just uh I, i'm with you i mean i, I know bad. what you're going through uh we could we could use some street maintenance i think i think we could use a little bit of street it's, maintenance it's here. a little hairball right at, yeah. at times when it's like torrential down, downpours and meanwhile yeah. on that stretch there's also these two huge potholes that i hit every time and there's like there's a drain that's clogged so you end up like hydroplane it's man you got a lot going on yeah, yeah. everything yeah. does suck right but now. there's nothing you know there's nothing impacting my my mood though other than just the weather um, you know your mustache looks pretty good thank you very much it's um it's short-lived my wife is out of town she's not a fan of the mustache so i was like you know what while she's gone for the week i'm gonna gonna go down to them and what was funny was i literally finished I was like just buzzing my face anyway. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll just leave the mustache for a few days. And like the second I finished, she FaceTimed me and she's like, oh, why'd you do that? And I was like, ah, you 
caught me already. <laughs> Unbelievable. I love that. So. I love that. Curtis was very kind to me this week. He gave me a couple of free tickets to a concert at Climate Pledge Arena. So um, this is sort of Kraken adjacent. It's not really, though, just because it was at Climate Pledge Arena. But that was my first experience uh, for a concert at Climate Pledge. Um, and it was a pretty good time. It was the 1975 was the band. Their show is absurd, um, very performative, uh, but... I was pleasantly surprised. I'd never really heard them before, and I never would have gone to that concert if Curtis didn't give me free tickets, but um, I had a good time. So, Curtis, what did you think? Did you have fun? Uh, yeah, I had a good time. Um, I agree. Just over-the-top, over-the-top performative. Uh, they have, like, John, you should look up what their set is. They built, like, an entire, like, it's more than an apartment. Uh, it's, like, a multi-level <laughs> like thing that they put together on their stage and they're just kind of like using it as a scene during the whole performance like at times the lead singer is like like singing to a television screen or like leaning out a window or like on a set of stairs or something yeah. it's it's over the top did you know he dated tay tay taylor swift that is actually i think how i became acquainted that the band even exists okay um he's apparently a bit of a controversial figure also i've heard this i've yes. learned um but yeah it was a it was a really good show i gotta say i had, i was uh i was pleasantly surprised there are these drunk guys behind me it's, I couldn't quite figure out the relationship, but there seemed to be three drunk guys directly behind me and then the guy seated directly to my right. And they all like loosely know, knew each other, but not that well. And like pretty soon after the guy to my right got there before the show, he's like, the, the one guy behind me is like, hey, how many kids do you have? Two? And the guy's like, zero. I have zero kids. <laughs> a hilarious question, right? Like that feels like a pretty basic piece of knowledge to know about somebody. It sounds somebody like the person number two in that scenario was using kids to uh -huh. get out of hanging out perhaps. oh that could be that, that could be yeah and that then forgot be. that he'd use that as an excuse and then the other funny thing was um there's this moment where um like a, a woman from down the row walked by and so we all had to like stand up to like let her out of the row and the guy behind us the one of the drunk guys just randomly goes i love you and she goes oh i love you too and they got like completely silent and when she was out of earshot, he goes, I was not expecting her to say that. It <laughs> <laughs> was great. It made for uh, some some pre-concert entertainment. And then it was a good show. So um, so that was good. That was one good experience this week. Watching the Kraken hasn't been a good experience. And the weather has not been a good experience either. So now that we've gotten those things checked off, let's go ahead and talk about the Seattle Kraken. Well, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> that was kind of a Price is Right reference. So, uh, gotcha. a, a winless trip, and Vince Dunn after the game in Montreal said, "Takeaways, takeaways from this trip. There are no takeaways." Yeah. So yeah, we can all, end podcast. All losses. Yeah. Um, zero three and one is how they come home after a four game stretch with three of the teams they played being teams I would not expect to be in the playoffs uh, come end of season. Yeah, I don't know. It's feeling it's feeling pretty bad right now. There's times in a hockey season when things feel pretty bad. I don't recall things ever feeling quite this bad last season. I do recall them feeling this bad in year one. Um, it also feels a little more like year one in terms of how they'll come out, they'll play, and I think they are playing hard. I think they're mostly within their structure, but they turn a puck over and it's in their net, and then they cannot score a goal at the other end of the ice to save their lives until it's it's too late, right? Um, so they lose 4-3 in Toronto. Um, this was a shootout loss. Uh, we already talked about Chicago last week, but um, shootout loss, and they did overcome a two-goal deficit to get a point out of that one. Uh, but then the 2-0 loss in Ottawa, I thought was just, it was just miserable. And they, they got a lot of shots on Anton Forsberg. But 
Uh, everything seemed to be into his chest, and they just had two really bad turnovers that cost him. One where Matty Beneers just blew a tire right in front of the net and fell down, and Matthew Joseph scored. And then one where um, Joey Decord and uh, Will Borgen just got tangled up and um, didn't I mean, isn't that crazy? So. Like, those were two relatively lucky goals for Ottawa. Of course. But, see, that's the thing, is like... Those things are going to happen in a hockey game, right? right? You're going to have bad breaks, but you have to be able to score. More it's than like, zero. Right. Yeah. It's it's yeah. like, all right, a guy loses an edge and falls down. You're like, all right, well, that happens, right? That's yeah, a, yeah. that's unfortunate. Um, Plenty of time point, to make it up, right? At some yeah. point, somebody's going to fall down and it's going to go our way, you know? But you have to be able to score some goals at the other end of the ice to overcome these things and these kinds of bad breaks can't cost you, right? You can't have two, one or two goals against that are uh, an unfortunate turnover because a guy gets his skates caught. To You know, like, that can't cost you the game, and that's what's happening. Is It they can just... cost you one game. Sure. Not several games. Yeah. On a road trip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they also lost to the Montreal Canadiens, so they spotted them a three-goal lead before kind of waking up in the third. They got it back to within one goal and made me start to believe that they were going to overcome a three-goal deficit, and then they did not. So that's where we're at, and now they've lost five games in a row. And as we mentioned earlier, everything sucks. Yeah, I don't even know where to start. I mean, <laughs> it sucks. Everything sucks. Because people people ask me all the time, like, what do you think's wrong? You know, that I run into, and I just go, you know, I don't know, four or five things that are kind of challenging the team right now. Goaltending. I mean, they're getting shots, but they're not scoring. Right. I think that's a big deficit. Penalty kill has shown life of of doing well, and then all of a sudden it goes back to conceding goals and and. Uh, just seems like there's a lot going on. I don't know, Curtis, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that it seems like there are issues at all three levels. I mean, yeah. the goaltenders, uh, I think, are playing all right, but haven't really, I can't think off the top of my head of a game that they've stolen no. uh, for the team. And, you know, you're not expecting them to steal the game every night, but, you know, if you're going to be a good team, your goaltender steals you a game every now and again. That hasn't exactly been happening. Again, I don't, I think maybe if the, three levels of the team they're actually maybe my least concern um goaltending goaltending yeah i mean it's it hasn't been good but it i don't know that it's been single-handedly losing them any of these games no and i actually looked it up even before we got on is is in the same amount of games last year they allowed only they've allowed three more goals they allowed 80 through 26 games last season and they've allowed 83 goals this season like so it's three goal difference which is not doesn't yeah. explain the variance in the record. And you you could you could do the work, but in my in my mind's eye, they there haven't been games where I was like, darn it, the Kraken were clearly the better team there, and the goalie just like let them down. There not there may lately. have been one or not two, lately. but not yeah. lately. Yeah. yeah, Gruby's first game back from injury. Whoever I think uh, was that Chicago, maybe I don't know. I didn't like his performance that yeah. night, but yeah, yeah. I but you're right. I think it's there's this thing though with philip grubauer especially where even when i like i can't explain it but even when he seems to play really well which i thought he played quite well against montreal like i I thought they had a chance to win that game because of him largely because of him he never is over the 900 save percentage you know and like i know that save percentage isn't everything i think they suppress shots pretty well so that doesn't pad his stats but it's like he's just never quite like having a really really great outing you know there's always something where it's like ah, i wish that that would have like he had a stellar third period right? yeah remember how he 
he kind of kept them in it when there was ample opportunity for Montreal to put another one in, and mm-hmm. and he he made some incredible saves. Yeah, but, but you're right. There's there's but not never a the entire game. There's right? never yeah. the entire game, and it's never like a, a steal of a game. And um, you know, John and I kind of had a, a little brief debate about this because I was thinking back to last year, and he's like, "Well, that never really happened last year either." I do think that there is a stretch where, and I don't think Martin Jones was like the answer, but he he got really hot for a little while, and the team started to play really well. There were a couple stretches last season. The eight game win streak was Martin Jones in goal. He had two back to back shots outs during that streak um the first streak of the season was martin jones in goal he had like a 10 game stretch where he was at like 950 almost every night or or even better so um there hasn't been a stretch like that where a goalie has gotten really hot and like just been really dominant where you're like okay i feel really confident that this goalie is going to make every possible save he can tonight uh so we haven't had that yet so that is that is a problem now let's take it out to the blue line go ahead <laughs> well, well, and just one last thought on the goaltending. You know, I don't expect that everything a player or coach says to the media is going to be the truth. But I mean, if you listen to the team after the Montreal game, I mean, Coach Haxtell and Jared McCann were both very, very complimentary yeah. of Grubauer. And 100%. said that he was the only reason they were still in the game. Again, that could be lip service, but the team is at least still saying the right things. They aren't outwardly uh, giving any signals that they're frustrated or kind of that the goaltending is letting the team down. So moving out to the blue line, I think they're having some, in the Montreal game, this is certainly recency bias, but the Montreal game, they had trouble breaking out and in, in transition uh, from their defense core. I think it's been a pretty consistent theme. The defensemen aren't really like kind of, don't have that kind of possession or passing skill to, to efficiently break out of the zone uh, as well as you'd like to see. And other teams are kind of, using the Kraken's own tactics against them in a way. Montreal was just bringing a heavy forecheck. That's pretty much all they were doing, mm-hmm. and it was working. Um, and uh, we'll get back to this in a minute, but I think the Kraken may have pulled a lever intended to uh, kind of shake up this particular issue. And then at, at the forward level, I think it's just about bringing 60 minutes of effort. I mean, I think you could say that about, we were talking about the goaltending, and it's true of the goaltending too. But just bringing a 60-minute game, I just they just haven't put it together. Uh, for the full game. And I think part of that is to play how they play, the heavy forechecking style is hard. It's hard to bring that for 60 minutes. And last year, they maybe just had a little bit more of that. They, they were scoring more effectively last and year. And when and they let down... Up. Yeah, yeah, and when they let down, it was they had enough goals on the board so that those mistakes and the turnovers and stuff didn't cost them yeah, games as, as frequently. Right, their yeah. shots were going in. I don't know whether it was, you know... Andre Burkowski or just, you know, the same shots they were taking. They were just finishing more effectively last year. But if you look at, you know, their goal scoring versus like the expected goal models based on shot quality, there there is a they have fallen off this year in terms of they were uh, maybe, John, you know, but it they were probably at a stronger pace at this point last year in terms of converting their opportunities into goals. That hasn't been the case this year. So you're kind of relying on that kind of grinding for checking style. And they just haven't been able to bring it for 60 minutes. I, I, on the trip, they didn't have a 60-minute game. You look at shots, and they've ha- had the shots. But usually a bulk of those come in the third when they're they're trying yeah. to get back in the game. The other team kind of sits back. And it, it made me think that they didn't score first once on this on this road trip. And, yeah. And, that doesn't always mean a victory. It should. It hasn't really done that for the Kraken this season, even when they do score first. But um, 
when you're playing, it's just so hard to play from behind. And then, and often, and I think in all games, there's at least a two goal deficit uh, at one time in the game. And, and like, it's just really hard to come back, particularly if, if you enter the third down two goals. Um, the Kraken came back in Toronto, right? Um, but to, to at least get a point, but um, yeah, there's a lot. So um, I've officially pressed the panic button. I wrote that in three takeaways. The panic button has been engaged, which we're going to talk about some Impressed, of the different. Not even it's, open. It's fully engaged. Yeah. yeah we so you, at, at one point we had the plastic yeah. cover open. Yeah. I think that, that was, was earlier this season. Year. That was yeah. earlier this year. Yeah. You're yeah. right, John. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, earlier. Yeah. This year. Yeah. That was before we started recording. That we <laughs> yeah. were discussing well, when we, we were talking. The... But but last year uh-huh. I remember. I don't think you got closer than hovering. I don't think the panic button was ever pressed. Last yeah, year. I mean, I, I don't know we how hovering. many times we even talked about the panic it. button. Yeah. I think I bet you the closest we came, and I think this is relevant to what we're about to talk about. But um, there was a stretch towards the end of uh, the calendar year. This was when they claimed Ellie Tolvanen. That's precisely. They went three, was, yeah. three, seven, and one in eleven games. Uh, remember, they claimed Ellie Tolvanen. They didn't put him in the lineup right away. They were healthy, scratching him for a few games. They put him in uh, after they had lost three in a row on New Year's Day. He scored in his first game. They beat the Islanders. I think it was four to one. And then they went on an uh, I think it was an eight game winning streak that from was the there. road trip. Yeah. yeah. So it's like this is where, and I, I also wrote in three takeaways. And so if you read this, I'm repeating it. But it feels like in my years of watching, you know, another team. Um, there'd be these lulls, like where you're you're looking at the team, and you're like, I think that this is a this is a playoff team. So far, to me, I I mean, we had that little stretch where we we're like, all right, I think these guys are a playoff team going into Thanksgiving with Seattle. We did. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just laughing at it now. That's yeah, all. I mean, now I'm like, yeah. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, they're they're going the wrong way and they're going that way fast. Um, but. My point is that there's these these swings and emotion that happen during an, an, NHL, an NHL hockey season, which is 82 games, which is a really long season, where you think like, all right, it's all lost. They can't they can't possibly make it. You can eventually make it, but you have to get on a long streak of wins. And if you're not winning eight, nine, ten in a row, you need to go on one of those runs where it's like ten out of twelve or thirteen out of sixteen or whatever, right? Where you're yeah, winning. They, they haven't won more than two, right? This year, right? Yeah. So that feels like a really tall task right now. So it's concerning, and that's why we haven't officially deployed the panic button. It has been engaged. So let's talk about some of the levers that they could theoretically pull. Um, now, one of the things that's been hampering them at least a little bit has been injuries this season. Uh, Jaden Schwartz is now out for six weeks, which is terrible news for them because he was actually one of the bright spots, I think, in the forward lineup. I think he's been very good this season. Brandon Tanev is back um, after a short stint after he banged his knee on the ice in whatever game that was, um, the Vancouver game. And then uh, Andre Burakovsky, it seems like he's getting really close. So I would expect him, I bet you he'll be back, at least if not in this game Thursday, I bet he'll be back the following game. That's just a guess. Yeah, I mean, they, they need him. And he he, he didn't score uh, in his brief start to the season. Right. Um, but he's a threat, and you never know what, what kind of opportunities that opens up. Now, with Schwartz out, I don't know. I mean, Burkowski's technically a better sh- better shooter, right? He's a better goal scorer than than Schwartz. But Schwartz was money on the power play too, yep. and that's looked a little cattywampus lately as well. Ooh, so, good word, yeah. cattywampus. Yeah. So. Now Burkowski, I will say this: like their their record with him in the lineup last season was much better than without. And when he got hurt, 
uh, in the second half of the year, they did go through some more doldrums, right? Where and and then they kind of picked it back up when they started playing bad teams at the end of the season. So, and I think it might have a lot to as much to do with him as it has to do with the trickle down effect of putting people in their proper place and kind of the hierarchy of the team. Um, you know, just I think we talked about this a little bit, whether it was last week or the week before, about how when you're when you're missing pieces like Jaden Schwartz and Andre Burakovsky at the same time, you're essentially you're you're missing two thirds of a line. There's just mm-hmm. a, like a top six line on your team that's just gone, and everyone is elevated into a position, forced into more of a scoring role that they might not be as a as adept at, or it's just a harder scoring context because they're going against more difficult checking yeah. competition. Uh, you know, like we talked about how you know Daniel Sprong was a you know scored a bunch of goals on the fourth line. The, the team never trusted to elevate him up into a higher role. There must have been a reason for that. Um, Andre Burkowski, we're in that six to eight week window now that, you know, was like kind of the original time frame where he might come back. He's out of the red sweater. I agree with you. I think it's probably this game or the next one. He's back. I think that'll be important as much for his contributions as it is putting other players back in there kind of where they belong. Good point. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right about that. And who knows? I mean, maybe that is the the only lever they need to pull is, well, they pulled one already. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But um, maybe that is one of the main levers is just getting Burakovsky back. Sometimes that kind of injects some life. He, you know, he hasn't been a part of the losing, really. So maybe he comes in with some positivity. He's a streaky goal scorer. Maybe he comes in and he gets on a hot streak right away. Who knows? We'll see what happens here um, when he comes back, which uh, seems like is happening quite soon. Um, So we've alluded a couple times the other lever that got pulled, which is that Riker Evans got called up from the Coachella Valley Firebirds. Now, they've done a little rotation of players that they've called up from Coachella Valley, but this one definitely feels different because it's not so much out of like circumstance where a guy is banged up or hurt, at least not that we know of. This feels to me like they're going to bring Riker Evans in to try to inject some offensive talent into the blue line is what I think is going to happen. So... So do you it's think, an interesting move, definitely. So they could technically go 7D. Yes. Right? But assuming they go 60, mm-hmm. who do you, who's out? I got to think it's going to be Dumoulin. <laughs> Recall that when I suggested Jacob Megna a couple weeks ago, I was I was on the take Brian Dumoulin train out. I think that's I think that's the move that I would do. I thought Brian Dumoulin and Justin Schultz in particular have looked pretty dreadful the last couple of games mm-hmm. um again that's just my mind um well alexiak did have the turnover but i think hackstall loves alexiak like i just think he's he's like an alexiak guy i agree with that but i think in terms of shuffling it up if if you're shuffling Riker evans in i don't think alexiak is immune from you know do you shuffle him do you do something with his playing time to kind of grab his attention as well. Yeah, move him to the third line, right? It, Maybe you take Dumlin out, move Alexiak down to the third pairing, and then put, uh, yeah, put Riker Evans in at the second pairing. I if mean, possible. Y- you could imagine a shuffling at least. I mean, Alexiak has played with Schultz. Um, you know, you you could you could imagine something. East that turnover was pretty inexcusable. I bet um, we'll have this answered by the time this podcast comes out. Too. We might not. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see him tomorrow. in practice. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, the lever being like call Riker Evans up. I, I, like just to kind of, I have a maybe slightly different twist on what Evans can bring. I think he does have some offensive talent, um, but I, I think it's really going to be a lot about this kind of: can you have a defenseman that can navigate, can get you to the offensive zone mm-hmm. more effectively than the defenseman have been doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a skill that he brings. I mean, and we'll do you see. think about like the skating like Vince Dunn style, right? Where because Vince is somewhat 
I mean, that's his strength as a skating, yeah. right? In my opinion, I uh, think Evans is as close to that as anyone else on the team. I don't think he's at Vince's And then level. do you put you take Schultz off the power play and put Riker right in? I, I don't know that I would. I mean, if you're sitting Schultz, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think Evans is the natural person to take it. Um, so if you're sitting, sitting Schultz, yes. If not, I don't think so. I don't Anything think I would Morgan to start. Um, I th- I don't think anyone in the bottom four is safe. Okay. But uh, but I think, I mean that's kind of what I'm getting at. I, I think like, Dumoulin. It could be any one of the four. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. And, and so I, I think, think it's it makes sense to do Dumoulin. A Dumoulin hasn't been like outstanding. I don't think he's been dreadful. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say dreadful. But he but, he was one yeah. of the guys that was turning the puck over the other night for sure. Um and. You know, I just think it makes a lot of sense for him to be the guy that comes out because he's a left shot, and so is Riker Evans. So, but I don't think it makes that much sense to pair Justin Schultz with, with Riker, Riker Evans. That's what I was thinking. So, so you yeah. might be onto something there with Alexiak moving down to the third pair um, and throwing Evans in on the second I, pair. I, I mean, and the other lever to pull is just you know, Coach Axtell has m- mixed up the forward lines when they've been losing. You know, he hasn't. He hasn't stuck with. I think the Gord line works. Mm-hmm. I, I think we've kind of established on this trip that that was the one line that w- that's actually been working. But other than that, he's been moving players around. You you could see that a little bit on defense. I mean, you have less options, of course, if you really like the Vince Dunn Adam Larson combo and you don't want to play, break that up. Then there's only <laughs> there's only four players left to to move around. But um, but part of the solution could be just to shake it up that way. You know, mm-hmm. see if you change just change the pairs. Yeah. Um, um, so there's a lever. One lever has officially been pulled. Um, some other lever options out there. Uh, I mentioned Ellie Tolvanen getting claimed off waivers last season. Obviously, the exact right thing has to pop up for that to be an option. Um, but theoretically, somebody could pass through waivers that you think is would benefit from a better situation. Um, we haven't seen, I don't think, one of those where like a, a guy becomes available that's like, oh, this dude's you know, what's what he's just in the wrong spot. You know, I haven't seen one of those happen yet this season. Do you make a make a trade? Right. I mean, I think we're going to talk about it in a bit, but like Nikita Zadorov got got acquired this week uh, by the Vancouver Canucks for a third round pick in 2026, I think it is, and a fifth round pick this season. So like that's not that big of a return. Now, I don't think Nikita Zadorov is the answer for the Kraken, but, you know, maybe you can find a, a middle six player. That could help offensively. I don't know. Um, those are kind of some of the the other levers. Um, I do see some people calling for. I don't know if we want to even say it, but you know what they're calling for. Same uh, same people that are calling it from season one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, a change in the coaching. Situation right. It rhymes with Schmeier Schmackstall. Yes, <laughs> but <laughs> is that a rhyme? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think there's any credence to it. So the only thing that like makes me think about it a little bit is that this team does play its cards so close to the vest so like if they wanted to do something drastic right this is obviously one of the levers that gets pulled when things are going really badly um the reason i don't think they're anywhere close to doing that though is because they just gave them a two-year extension that starts next season so i just i don't see that happening i think they're i think they're hitching their horse to dave haxtall and i think that you know, they expect him to to be able to turn this thing around. I also do think that they want to make the playoffs this season, right? I've thought about that a little bit too. I'm like, well, maybe they just are okay, like having a bad year, but I don't think that's the case. Like, I think they want to win and I think they want to be in the playoffs this season. Do you guys agree hmm. with me on that? I don't. Actually. You don't think they want to be in the playoffs? No, I, I The front don't. office? I, I think they, obviously they want to be in the playoffs, Yeah, but 
but I, not at the cost of of mortgaging the future. Right. Yeah. And and I'm with you on that. But I think there's a there's a price that if I were putting myself in their shoes, there's a price that I would be willing to pay to try to inject something into this team that helps them get better right now, more competitive right I, now. In my opinion, I think they've they're too far down to consider that. Like too far out of it, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because okay. I don't think we're, they're not one player away or a couple players away from turning this season around significantly. They might be though, no, and that's my, I, I that's think they my need point. to do it like, from within. That's that's what I think is. Okay. There's a lot of players that are you might call it underperforming. Like man, Bjorkstrand had like 40 shots yeah. without a goal. Yeah, that's true. Like an insane shots, right? It's not that Bjorkstrand's playing poorly. It's just rotten luck right now. Um, and maybe it's that sixty-minute effort. You yeah. Think no, it's not that I think Bjorkstrand is playing poorly, but I I can't like continue to blame things on rotten luck for the whole team. Like I think no, maybe no, I know, Bjorkstrand's I know, but luck. but it's like playing a full sixty. I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to to me. Is like it just. I mean, that fourth line is is to me has been pretty challenging lately, yeah. and part yeah. of that is the injuries, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they're not getting a lot of minutes, so then you're leaning on those guys in the top the top nine forwards even more to play more minutes yeah. and and that could be part of the challenge as well so so i'm not saying it's luck but i'm saying they're gonna have to play really well the rest of the way to even be in the playoffs so i just don't i don't think it's one trade away my my point though john is like and i started to talk about this earlier is that historically like when i've seen teams turn it around there's some sort of a catalyst right you know, St. Louis Blues, they were in last place at New Year's. They fired their coach. They got a new coach. They went on a run. They won the Stanley Cup. Now, that's the most extreme case you can imagine. But the other one that jumped to my mind was, and I wrote about this one in Three Takeaways, too, was that season a few years ago for the Minnesota Wild where they were they were in this terrible stretch. 12 of 14, they had lost. Uh, they traded a third-round pick, which... I think the Kraken could afford to trade a third round pick if it's something that's going to like really help them right now um, for uh, Devin Dubnik. Devin Dubnik came in, played great, turned the season around, they made the playoffs. You know, like there's there might be one of those things where like they can get a guy in there. I thought Ellie Tolvanen was a catalyst for a turnaround last season. They were going in the wrong direction. Tolvanen came in, scored, had some good feelings. It was a positive story to tell. All of a sudden they get winning games. Martin Jones starts making some saves. You know, they need something like that. And that's my point. And maybe they've found it. Maybe Riker Evans is that answer. Maybe Andre Burakovsky coming back is that answer. Um, and so I think they're just going to pull one lever at a time until they figure out what that is. And if they get to a certain point in the season where they're like, "All right, screw it, we can't, we can't do this," then they sell their, they sell their veteran contracts that are expiring. So that's I guess, what I think I happens guess here. I, I'd be reluctant to even trade a second round pick right now for one didn't i say third round you did say third round <laughs> but i don't think that's realistic to get anything of value at a third round yeah. that's all i'm saying i mean uh, well zadorov is third and a fifth i think he's something he's, of value he's not going to make a difference on this team no but i no that's not my point though my point is i think he's a substantive player that, right they're not it looking just changes for... the the dynamic is that what you're saying yeah, like, yeah like i'm saying that Vancouver wanted to add to their team and make their blue line better. So they traded a third and a fifth round pick, which I think the Kraken should be willing to part with at this point. They have so many draft picks, so many prospects that they've brought in and they've done so well. And plus, if you if you throw one of those at the wall, you bring somebody in with, a, you know, you make a trade for a, a middle six player that could theoretically benefit from a better scenario um, or a different scenario. It doesn't work. Fine. You trade guys at the deadline and get those third and fifth round picks back. I mean, I'm not against throwing trading a third and fifth. Maybe I just don't think uh, 
it can change the dynamic of this team significantly enough. Wow. That's very pessimistic of you. More of a realist. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the trade front, I think I'm with you, John. I mean, Anthony Bouvillier moved for a fifth mm-hmm. round pick. I know that seemed like, I'm like, hmm. I mean, something like that I would do, but like even a third round pick, I, I, I'm kind of with you, John. I think where they are in the standings right now, I cannot justify that to myself. Like, this team is just not playing well enough to think that adding a adding any type of middle of the lineup piece is going to do it. It might, you you might be, I, yeah. I'm not saying that these things don't happen Darren. They definitely mm-hmm. do. It's just like kind of the cold, hard math of it. I just can't really bring It's still myself. early though. It's still yeah. pretty early in the season. Like they can still turn it around. It's do they want to, you know, do they want to do that or are they comfortable it, trying to get draft? And, and the other, the other thing working in your favor here is that the Pacific division is not good. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, there's still opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still opportunity there. So uh, I, I see where you're coming from. I think I'm a, a no on trade right now. We're going into this six-game homestand, right? And and maybe it makes sense to transition to talking about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but this fine. Six, I'll get off my soapbox. No, box. no, no, no. I think it's related. <laughs> the six-game homestand, I think, is really gonna is, is gonna be pretty pivotal to the rest of this season. I mean, Agreed. they need a hot homestand it needs to be hot in there <laughs> hot 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 it unfortunately the, yeah. we're talking like gloria estefan hot and yeah we are they tried talking. gloria estefan year one and it did not work so um yeah if they don't get the miami sound machine cooking real well yeah. um over these next six games i'm talking like four and two against difficult competition is like bare minimum to turn this around mm-hmm. uh, you know in my mind and and that's just kind of asking too much, even in and of itself. The competition is pretty tough. It's not the most difficult homestand I've ever seen, but it's much more difficult than this road trip they were still on. So, uh, so I think after this homestand, we'll know. We'll obviously we'll have six more games of data. It seems like a pretty obvious thing to say, but I think at that point we'll know a, a lot One way more the other. about yeah. which way this team is going. Are they able to respond in this unit or not? And I think this goes to your original prompt, which I just want to touch on briefly about coach Haxtell. I don't think moving on from him during this season makes any sense. Agreed. Yeah, um, I agree. Because either this, either this homestand goes poor, you're not going to fire him now. You're not firing him, bef- him before the next game. Either this homestand goes poorly, in which case I, I think the season is essentially evaluation and sale uh, of assets if they um, if they continue to stink through this homestand if they continue yeah. to stink through this homestand yeah i might agree with in you. which case do you want to be the organization that moves on from a coach before he even hits his extension and appoints interim coaches you're a two and a half year old organization yeah is that what you want your organization to be i don't think I mean, they want that i don't care about the length that he's here i just think like where they are contractually with him you know yeah. like two and a half years is like a lot a lot of coaches have lasted a shorter time than that but i First of all, I think he's a good coach. I think he's shown the ability to make adjustments and fix things. Um, and I, it just doesn't feel like that's a really desperate scenario where they came in expecting to, I mean, they did come in expecting to be a playoff team, I think. Um, and I don't think they're, I agree with you. I just don't think they're there. And that, that extension also just tells me they're not moving on. And the other thing is where, where are they at in their like trajectory of what this team is and is going to be right. We've talked about this, how they have veteran contracts that are coming off the books next year and the year after that syncs up with, 
with Hackstall's contract. It's, yep. you know, because I think this team is going to look very different two years from now. Do you want to cycle through an interim and then another coach? And then are you looking for another coach once this team is hitting its next wave? I mean, I think it makes sense to stick with Hackstall through this. I mean, obviously we have to see how this season goes and, uh, you know, there's uh, on the Santa Hockey Discord. There's a there's a you know, rule where you can't change your your sports takes. But uh, <laughs> we um, on this podcast, I don't think we've adopted that rule yet. But uh, but I <laughs> no, think... we're very consistent. <laughs> How dare you? Um, but I think that you stick with him through this year. I think it makes sense to stick with him uh, into the year after, uh, unless things are truly truly have gone off the yeah. rails, which I don't expect. Another thing, too, is I think back to that question. I know I mentioned this on the podcast, but I asked Hackstall a question in Colorado about, um, you know, how how important it is to have young players that slot into the lineup, because that was the night that Shane Wright had an impact on the game and Ryan Winston had an impact on the game. And one of the things that he talked about was like thinking about it holistically, right? Like we're we're trying to be competitive now. But we also have done a lot of work to, you know, create a prospect pool. He's part of this process. Like he's been part of this process from the beginning. And this is part of the process. You know, it's all a growing pain. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I mean, long story short there, I'm with you. I don't think they they move on from him. Um, the only reason I brought it up is because I see a lot of people saying it again on on a certain social media site. So No, I think it's absolutely a worthy topic yeah. conversation. And all I'll say is, is and you brought this up kind of about the off-season moves, they they didn't really get any better, mm-hmm. right? And theoretically, they got worse. Yep. And how can you expect the coach to, like, maintain that high skill or high, uh, like, win rate with a, a lesser team? And and so I think there's something to be said about that, too. And so maybe the expectations are not as high as we think they are uh, because of the long, the long view, right? And that he's talked about, which you just mentioned – and so, I mean, now, granted, you want him to be more competitive than this and probably fight fighting for a playoff spot. But I, I think, and like you've brought up about uh, Curtis, you've brought up about the the lineup of the contracts and how this is all set to kind of unfold in the next couple of years. There seems to be a plan here, and mm-hmm. it's not about this year; it's about the next three to five years. I think so. Uh, I think there's someone else is playing 3D chess, if you will, that that we don't really know the full on plan. And we'll never know because yeah. they don't share that. Hackstall's demeanor, as we've talked about, is this very <clears throat> level demeanor. And we and we don't know precisely how he is behind closed doors. Yeah. But but we can we can guess <laughs> based on what we've seen. And he is more like a kind of in it for the long haul. I'm not gonna burn you out with like yelling at you about this specific mistake. That's just not his style. Mm-hmm. His style is more be there and sustain the team through eighty two games. And that might cause some frustration with uh, you know, fans, people who care passionately about this team who want to see a coach get upset after that Montreal first period that was, as McCann said, embarrassing. It was an embarrassing effort. And you want your coach to kind of come out and yell, right? Because yeah. you want to yell. But, but the players clearly him. know, right? Yeah. They know, right? They don't need to be yelled at. No. So that th- yeah. my point is like, you're right. Like he knows, right? And the, he kn- the players know the expectation. Like they don't need to be yelled at. They're embarrassed. For them themselves, right? Anyway. I, I think probably what's going on in his mind is if the players aren't going to take ownership and make corrections themselves coming off that first period in Montreal, any amount of yelling that I'm going to get a short-term bounce out of is not going to be a sustainable right. thing. Uh, that's not a way to win. One update to our weekly wager. 
nobody won that one. I think it's safe yep. to say that nobody won uh, last week's weekly wager, which I was, was... eliminated first because <laughs> I said four <laughs> uh, points yeah. in six games. That went out the window. <laughs> so that one was gone. Uh, no, a cracking goalie did not have a shutout, although Chris Drieger did have one in the That's AHL. Right, Chris, but that, yeah. I don't think we can count that. What? I can't count that. No? And uh, we did not have a five-goal game from the Kraken, so it Maybe carries over. Do you have a new weekly wager no, for this I week? No, I mean, like, I think we should pause because that, that didn't go well. Mm, well, I think it needs to go. Uh, yeah, it needs to go. We'll come either. We'll come up with something on the show, or we'll 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 post it somewhere. We'll come okay. up with something. That sounds good. Um, we probably should have thought about that when I I wrote this on the show notes that we needed to update on the weekly wager, but then we need a new weekly wager because that's right, how. Right. It works. <laughs> or yeah. should we just let it ride four out of six over the next week? That's what we can do. We can rotate the topics. Okay. Do so we have three games this week. Uh, yeah, they okay, have. Perfect. I think four games this week. Yeah, actually. they have four games. So, so maybe we need to change the point total. Five out of eight. Five out of eight. Okay. Um, yeah, that's fair. I'll take that one. Okay. No, no, took no. A, no, no, no. I think Curtis let it run. Well, he went last week I got, first because he was alphabetical <laughs> with a C. Darren is pointing no, at but, me with but anger. No, but if we let sense. it ride, that's still his wager. No? Uh, okay, so we keep the same yeah. the same things. So what was I mine? Have, mine was a five-goal game, and yeah. yours is a shutout. Yeah. All right, five-goal game, shutout, and four five, game. Four five games to get a five points out of eight. Yeah. Okay. We'll do it for one more week. We'll come up with something better next. All week. All right. But it's worth double next week. Yep. That's, that's true. Right. Yeah. 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 That's true. So. Two bucks. All right. <laughs> moving down on the farm. Moo. Some good news for the Kraken. Uh, the Team Canada World Junior Championship camp roster has been announced. So this doesn't mean that they've made the team. It means that they're going to go to the camp where they find out if they can make the team. They basically try out for Team Canada for, for WJC. Ty Nelson, Carson Rakoff, and Jagger Furcus are all invited to that camp, uh, which means that they all have a pretty good chance of making it. So that's uh, pretty cool, I think. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it was cool to see. Uh, Carson Rakoff's big season obviously got him on the team's radar because he, if you, re- if you recall, over the summer there was a conference call that was yeah. like in lieu yeah. of a camp and he wasn't invited to the conference call. Mm. So, uh, so he wasn't part of this broader group, but he did make the 30 man camp invite. So that's a pretty cool thing. Conversely, David Goyette was invited to the summer conference, the, the summer zoom, yeah. uh, and doesn't get to make the real thing. He's had a good season though, but I think it's just kind of a crunch at his position, kind of playmaking smaller winger. Canada has in droves, other great players, great young players like Andrew Kristall, Bradley Nadeau, uh, there there are others that are just as talented as David Goyette, similar profile that didn't make it either. Yeah, one thing to think about: Rakoff's one of the younger ones on the on the right, squad. Yes. Right, he's eighteen, um, yep. which is cool. Uh, and I think they need to make seven cuts um, to the thirty. So it's a question if they can make it through that. Sometimes it's more of a fit for what they need on the roster, not necessarily the best. 23 players so but Rakoff might be a fit because there aren't a lot of guys to Curtis's yeah. point in that profile like the big scoring yeah forward, yeah so. no I I agree I'm excited um I'm hoping at least two of two of the three make yep. it so and you just mentioned the number 30 which is also applicable to Carson Rakoff because he now has 30 goals in 29 games <laughs> Pretty no, good. Michelle. It's as many as he scored <laughs> the entirety of last year. Right. Which, when you think about it, last year he hadn't been on the Sound of Hockey podcast yet. Oh. This year, now he has been. So the Sound of Hockey bump. You want to talk about catalysts? Yeah. We got one right there. How we, excited we are it. you? What? Like, I love checking his stats all the time. <laughs> it's pretty. Well, and I love, you know that there's going to be like something. Cool I know because he's just like and and yeah. Oh, I just 
Love that guy. And I think part of it is, I think we saw some potential in him or we were like, oh man, we got to talk to this kid. This guy can shoot the puck. And so it was just fun to talk to him. And um, and he was funny. He was yeah. super funny. So. Well, it's another one of those two where you're like, you see a kid at de- development camp, you're like, oh, he just did something cool. And then you see like, three or four more times he does something cool and he keeps catching your eye. And it, like, yeah. I think back to Ty Cartier, right. Where he kept doing stuff and you're like, Oh, that was, that was something. Yeah. And we're like, is Cartier a player? And you're like, no, probably not. Cause he's a undrafted, he's undrafted. guy. Yeah, like yeah, not yeah. a chance. And then sure enough, Rakoff, yeah. right. He's, he's blown up like this, which is awesome to see. Uh, another piece of down in the farmness, the firebirds had a split with the Ontario rain this week. Drieger did have a shutout in one of those two games, a 2-0 win. Uh, they are currently 10-7-1, so they're sixth place in the Pacific Division. So things aren't going like great there, but they're not going horribly either. Uh, I did see you tweet the um, the still frames from their golf outing, which that golf outing content was hilarious. That was outstanding. Yeah, yeah. I guess they had their second annual you know, Firebirds Invitational or something like that. I saw that Matt Tennyson was still there for some reason, even though he's not on the team. He, he was dropped like, the he dropped the ceremonial puck, puck yeah. and did like the the player uh, like introduce the starting lineups in the locker room, and he was like, "I'm so pumped to be back, boys!" Like, yeah. So yeah, he's he's like kind of. I think of his parents around. live down there or something. Okay, it's it's. Uh, I think that's unique right. situation. So. And he's he's not yeah obviously not signed on another team this year. I need to go back to the World Junior. Let's do it. Uh, roster. Okay. Never enough. Scott Ratzloff is on the roster. Right. So we didn't, I don't think we mentioned that. So Who, of course, is a goaltender that's for <laughs> the Seattle Thunderbirds. And that's a really good segue into Goalie Gear Corner. <laughs> because this week's Goalie Gear Corner is none other than the mask of Scott Ratzloff for the Seattle Thunderbirds. Um, the reason that I wanted to mention this is because Cool Bird, the mascot, gets oh, a yeah. pretty prominent... Uh, imagery on the side of this new mask for Scott Ratzloff. Um, I just loved that. I love that that was the like a, a main piece of it. So what a oh, that's nice. Yeah, that is really nice. Isn't it great? Yeah. I love it. Also, um, on the topic of goalie gear, um, what did we think, John? And I know that you were seeing it last night, but Laurent Brissois has the <laughs> um, like the brown pads to go with their throwback uniforms, the Winnipeg Jets. What did you think about him? Uh, at first, I thought it was a little weird. The, uh-huh. It just didn't seem to match the jersey. Right. However, mm-hmm. when the whole team's playing, because the, the team had the, the brown, brown gloves. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, it worked hmm, better okay. than I wanted it to. Because yeah. I'm kind of on record saying I'm I'm kind of over the like brown yeah. stuff. Like I just think it's, even though that's my last name, but <laughs> but um, yeah, I I agreed with you though. I thought isn't the whole that, isn't that crazy? The like, whole I'm look like, like out on the ice I'm looked like, oh, pretty sharp. Okay. Yeah. And he played incredible in that game. I think he had like forty two saves or something. So mm-hmm. um yeah. I um I don't want to condone it because I think we've swung that pendulum a little too far and I'm I have a f- I I am worried, I guess, that Kraken goalies are gonna have that for the winter classic. But it does give me some hope because to your point those pads on Brissouad, they did look pretty good with the whole kit. So I'll give it to him. We now move on to our weekly one-timers. Our first weekly one-timer. Lake Tahoe has a new ECHL team name and logo. John, I know you spent a lot of time in Tahoe. Do you know the story here on why this is the team name? Yeah, I think it's like uh, there's like a the Tahoe Nessie. Okay. Legend. Okay. Um, like a Loch Ness monster. But yeah, like a- I mean, it's kind of weird but okay um 
The Night Monsters. Right. The Night Monsters. K-N-I-G-H-T Monsters. Interesting. Yeah. Fits like an ECH. It seems like an ECHL team name. Right. Like the Ghost Pirates. Ghost Pirates. Yeah. Night Monsters. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I kind of like Whoopi. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that, though, um, about that franchise. It's kind of fun. Okay. Good. Our next weekly one-timer. Speaking of new teams, the University of Delaware is adding Division One women's hockey. Um, I don't think they don't have men's hockey, so that's uh, just interesting. Club. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of jerseys, mm-hmm. did you take a look at these? I have not. Oh, what are they? My. They're like the blue hens or the something. Blue hens, uh-huh. and it's like all kind of not quite a baby blue, a little darker than baby. Oh, they look so good. Oh yeah, I see. Okay. Oh, they're like uh, royal blue with an angry-looking hen. Oh, these are fantastic. You're right. Uh, and then even the numbers on the back, like super cool um, font. I love it. I love this. And so this team won't start next season. It'll start the following. Okay. But, um, yeah, kind of cool. I love I love seeing that. That's the blue hens. Yeah. Um, our next weekly one-timer, speaking of new women's teams and jerseys, Um we don't need to talk about their jerseys, but the PWHL had <laughs> had their first preseason game this week. Uh, they're basically all like not bubbled together, but they're all together right now in Utica, New York, doing like some meetings and practices and things like that. Um, so they're actually going to start the league with their first regular season games on January 1st. So thought that was interesting that they had a preseason game for the first time. This was Toronto against Boston. Toronto won. Still, still no TV deal announcement. Right. Um, yeah, and there's a couple of rule changes. Have you heard about these? No. On the power play, you can't you can't ice the puck, or you oh. can. It's just it would just come back into the zone. Okay, which is how they play at like youth levels now. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Okay. Anyway, I like that. Um, we'll have to see. Keep an eye on them. Well noted. We will keep an eye on it. Uh, our final weekly one timer. The board of governors meeting has been here in sunny Seattle, uh, where the. <laughs> NHL <laughs> Board of Governors has been soaking up some rays. Um, and I guess really the two big pieces of news that have come out of it so far have been that the draft, which we knew was going to be in Vegas already, um, but they announced they're going to have it at the Sphere, which is pretty flipping cool, in my opinion. Um, it's at the end of June. I think it's like June 28th and 29th, if I'm not mistaken. And this is going to be the last one before they decentralize and just have people draft from their like home offices or so what's whatever. The, what's the thought? Are we going? I'm leaning towards it. <laughs> Unfortunately. We need to go back and listen to like six weeks ago episode when you're like, I hate Vegas. Yeah. I'm never going back. I I don't want to go to Vegas, but I now that I know it's at the sphere, I'm like, well, maybe. And the draft really was an incredible experience when we went in twenty nineteen. Yeah, it was. And um yeah, I think there's there's probably something to be said for value and having us be there. I'll so. consider it too if others right. are interested. Call me a call me a maybe on that one. The other um have I told you about my maybe spectrum? No. No. So um there's a there's a spectrum of whether or not I'm going to do something. So I mentioned my wife earlier. She used to like back when we were like fresh out of college, she'd be like, Oh, let's plan a insanely expensive vacation to this place that we can never afford to go to, right? Um And I'd always be like, okay, like I didn't want to like let her down. So I'd be like, well, maybe. And she would kind of hold on to that then. And we'd get like three months later, she'd be like, well, are we going on that trip or what? I'd be like, we can't afford that. Like I said, maybe because I didn't want to let you down. So now I've instituted a a more solid spectrum. So there's no is like a hard, like we're not going, like absolutely not, not doing it. Okay. There's uh, a soft maybe 
which is just above no. There's a do, do you do you say soft maybe mm-hmm. or okay okay so I'm I'm a soft maybe right like it's not a hundred percent no but it's probably close to like 85 percent no okay there's a hard maybe which is I'm leaning towards I'm probably gonna go yeah and then there's a yes so you've like essentially instituted the NFL injury reporting system yeah. for the word maybe correct oh yep. okay. And also there's hard no, which is like, I can't believe you even asked me to do that. And there's also like a hard yes. Like I'm, I'm pumped about this. Absolutely. We're doing this. Like, let's book it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a good, good spectrum. I don't know. I might try to implement it in my, in my life. Yeah. Give it a try. Yeah. So yeah. No (laughs) soft, maybe hard, maybe yes. Okay. Cool. I love it. Um, our final, oh, and the last piece of news there is that the salary cap is going up for next season to $87.7 million from $83.5 million. Is that what we expected it to be? So it's about it's a four, yeah. what, $4.2 million yeah. difference there. Yeah, I think I think it's a 5% increase approximately, uh-huh. which is the maximum under the MOU, the mm. operative extension of the CBA, mm-hmm. the, max, the maximum that is going to be allowed unless there's like a further agreement between the teams and players, which would... That has not happened. So I, yeah. I think it was there was probably revenue to do a higher uh, increase, but this is the max that was allowed. Uh, those are our weekly one-timers. We close the show with our tweets of the week. Do you gentlemen have tweets of the week? I do not. Yeah. We'll, we'll so. just go with one for this one. Okay. Um, well, I have one. Tweet. Uh, uh, so our two very good friends, um, one of them is best friend of the pod, uh, had an interaction on Twitter. So Piper said, uh, Piper Shaw said, we had a very eventful start to this game. This is the Montreal game on the broadcast side of things. Allison had a light explode while she was on air, and I got trapped on the bench in the middle of my pregame story. It needed to be led off the ice by the Habs crew through their locker room area. Uh, Allison retweeted it with, uh, it says, photographic evidence. And John, you called this out at the bar where you're like, what just happened there? They like turned the lights off on Allison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so she's she's on the air and you can see it like gets really bright for a second. And she makes a face like, oh, what happened? And then she's just completely in the dark. So yeah, there's uh She's pretty good on her, on her feet, right? Like as far as like rolling with it. Uh, you, you wouldn't have known that something no, had just blown no, up. No, yeah. yeah. I know. Very, she kind of makes it fun. I appreciate that. Yeah. Very professional. I, I guess I will throw in one tweet here. Oh, um, okay. Uh, just, just because it's uh, took <laughs> from me, the top rope. It, yeah. it, it talk, took me down. <laughs> there be a banger. It, yeah. it, it's not. It's not a humorous one like we tend to do. But oh, uh, Chris, Chris Mast put out a tweet that said, five years ago today, we packed Henry's and watched the announcement of our NHL franchise." Okay. And there's a nice little picture of yeah. NHL to Seattle. Me? Yeah. Oh yeah, wow, yeah. I didn't know that. So uh yeah, Paul Buxton down. had a picture of uh and it, it had Andy. It, it had, had Andy. It was yeah. actually Nick Constanica's tweet from five years ago. Yeah. Because he was here and he was interviewed on the pod inside the bar That's by right. you and you and Andy. Yep. So anyway, Paul was holding the NHL to Seattle flag in that picture. And Andy, oh, that's right. And Andy yeah. was standing very awkwardly off to the yeah. side, like not supposed to be in the picture, but he's very much in the picture because he is <laughs> yeah, he know, thought... he's so much bigger than everybody, too. So he's just like he's, he, he just doesn't like so... fade into the background. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good. Stuff. It was definitely one of those poses where you think you're outside the frame. Right. But yeah, you're yeah, definitely yeah, no, not. You're not, not. <laughs> he's very much in the frame. Yeah. <laughs> very, very much in the frame. But anyway, that must have been I must have brought back some cool memories. Five years. Yeah. Pretty quick five yeah. years. That was a big day. I appreciated a win on that anniversary, but that's yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, what can you do? <laughs> do you want to take us out? Darren? No, you have to take us out so that I can do the outro. 
Oh, God, I, I don't know what we say here. I'm going to need to like write it down for you. I need to give you the script. It's We thank thank our Patreon members. Thank our Patreon members. Yep. You can become a member on patreon.com slash soundofhockey. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of cool benefits. Great community there. And really, we do appreciate everybody there. It's really awesome, and it's a, it's a very positive vibe. Uh, thank you to our reviewers, which we didn't have any, so so thanks for nothing, I guess. Everybody. Uh, and then, yeah, and then I'll Gather round now. Let your body feel the heat. Don't you worry if you can't dance. Oh my God. Let the music move your feet. Doodle-doo, doodle-doo.